Attention, armchair quarterbacks and shower thought GMs. It's time for this week's episode of Sports Ball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. The season's over, Mike. It was a good run. Why? Wait, what? I'll see you guys next year. <laughs> Maybe McCarthy won't be around, and Jerry Jones won't be around, and Dak won't be around. And... I do believe. <laughs> guys, welcome back to another episode of Sports Ball. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by Tampa Bay Sports Superfan Mike Meharry. Mike, how are you doing? Oh, hello. Sorry, I'm doing I good. Didn't... How are you? Oh, I'm good. I didn't mean to catch you off guard there. I didn't know if you were ready for the show or not. We're, we're doing <laughs> we're it doing, now. We're doing a show? This is live? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, we're going to start, as we have the last couple of weeks, revisiting from this past weekend some shit announcers say. And they do say some shit. spanking him. And if he's in the box, he's coming, and he's coming hard and fast. Constantly spanking him. Look at this right here. You see them lips? <laughs> hey, them lips is wider than Tyrone Biggums. Constantly spanking him. Alu Alu with a tackle tackle. Constantly spanking him. Constantly spanking him. <laughs> Peyton Manning is a national treasure. I'll fight yes, anyone who is. says otherwise. He is indeed. Oh, that made me laugh. So Mike and I were talking right before the show started that, you know, the Manning cast, I guess, is in what its second or third se- I guess second season. Second season, I don't know, yeah. In, for for or ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. And and I enjoy the Manning cast, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of one of the complaints I'm seeing from a lot of people is is that they watch the Manning cast for the Mannings, not right. all the B list celebrities who join the Mannings who clearly don't know anything about what they're watching. Yeah, agreed. I'm kinda, I'm there. Kind of a little bit like this show, to be honest. We should <laughs> we we should start having some random third person pop in that's like more charismatic and well known than us, but they don't know anything about sports, and so it's like a little <laughs> triangle. That would be awesome. We should do it. It's time to go on an adventure, ladies, everybody. Ooh. Ladies and everybody. Hmm, we're doing some weird gender stuff on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some... Adventures and Officiating. You know it. We're joining the Alabama-Texas game. Just under 10 minutes left in the third quarter... Bryce Young for Alabama drops back into his end zone. Oh, no, that's a safety, right, Meharry? That's a safety. Was he down? Was he it was. intentional grounding? Grounding? I don't know. I don't but know, it, but it looked like a safety. There's a flag on the play. Bad. Oh, yeah, you know where this is going. So the referees end up convening for a really long time to ultimately decide that it was both a, yes, get ready, here's the replay right here, this was roughing the passer and targeting. Now, first of all, where's the roughing? If you're if you're saying it's right there, well, first of all, they barely touched him. And second of all, if he's if it's not a safety, it means it's because he's still up, right? Right. If he's still up, I need to put him on the ground, right? One would think. So I don't know. Now, to be fair, they did ultimately say that, well, we miss we misannounced the call, you guys. It's not actually roughing the passer, but we what we are gonna take a look at it for targeting. And the, the and we can't go back and look at intentional grounding because we're not that's not reviewable. Now, people in hindsight have said it is true. It isn't intentional grounding. Why? Because the pass actually went off a Texas player's helmet. You'll see yep. right here. Get ready for the doink. Uh, doink. doink. 
So that makes it not intentional grounding, which is a safety in the end zone, right? Oh, right. but au contraire, <laughs> wait for this last angle, I believe, that's going to come up. Are we, are, are we getting ready for it? Yeah, here it is right here. And you see how his calf is down on the ground? I do see that. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? A calf is a knee. That that player is down in the end zone. That is a safety. That's why we call this adventures in officiating. Extra, extra sour news for the Texas Longhorns, whose defense played their butts off all day and who were down to something like their fifth or sixth quarterback by the time the game was over. They did lose by that number of points. Now, I know what you always say, Meharry. We can't just sit here and bitch about a bad blown call because there's so much more in the game. But when a call that... Well, first of all, by the way, when we take a referee timeout that lasts about the entire length of a third quarter and we still get the call wrong, I'm sorry, people have reason to gripe. I would gripe if I was a Texas fan about missing field goals and not getting touchdowns, but again, that's just me. I got to find the mute button for you. <laughs> I gotta. I, I need to have four buttons on my deck right here that all say mute Mike. So that, that way I can't miss it. Well, you know what I do have? What do you have, Mike? I have a puck to the head. Actually, I have two pucks to the head today. So, Alan, you've heard the phrase, act like you've been there, right? <laughs> yes. Well, University of Kentucky fans apparently have not heard that phrase. Maybe because they haven't been there in a really long time. But... Hey, they beat a pretty average Florida Gator team, and then they partied like they won a natty, complete with the flip car. And, of course, no celebration in Lexington is complete without a burning couch. Now, I wonder if they'll make a commemorative license plate. Maybe a ring. No, UK <laughs> fans, you get a puck to the head for celebrating a regular season win early in the season as if you just won a championship. And then we have our honorable mention who you see now, Von Miller. What the hell is that thing on the back of your head? You get a puck to the head for... Whatever that is, maybe it'll knock it off. Yeah, I was about to say, at least you have a target to aim for. <laughs> There's silver linings everywhere. Everywhere. Well, now that the NFL season is in full swing, we've got plenty of fodder for both cowardly coaches and brave coaches. We're going to start with cowardly coaches coaching cowardly. Look away, Bears fans. I know you're going to recognize this sort of play calling. Love it. New head coach of Houston Texans, Lovey Smith. And you know what? By the way, by all accounts, Lovey's a great guy and everybody likes him. Oh, yeah. Person. But he's the kind of guy, hold on, I'm going to play that for you again. He's the kind of guy that elects to punt on fourth and three from midfield in overtime <laughs> with only 23 seconds left to play. That's what we call playing for the tie and not playing for the win. Now, Lovey himself addressed this in his postgame presser where he said he felt the defense was gassed. They just lost a couple of yards on third down. We're going to play for the tie. Uh, Mike, I'm, I got to tell you, if I'm the owner of the Houston Texas and my head coach just did that and then went to the presser and said, I'm playing for the tie, my very next words are, you're fired. Yeah. Don't you feel like a tie is a loss? A tie absolutely is a loss. Yeah. Now, I understand that when it comes to tie, ironically enough, when it comes to tie breakers, having a tie can be better than having another loss. But with the way the AFC South is looking, where literally no teams in that division have a win... I, I just don't care. I, I, I will follow this up, by the way, with, with the random data nicks out there that might say, well, you know, maybe a tie's not so bad. There's something to be said for challenging your players to go win the game. Mm -hmm. Players like to be challenged to go win the game. That's what they're there to do. 
when you take their, that fate out of their hands and say, well, we're just going to, we're, we're going to play for all knots on the game clock. That's what we're playing for. It, it leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And considering this is week one, I'm not sure that's the kind of tone you're wanting to set for the rest of the season. Right. You've heard of locker room culture. That's not a good one. Speaking of setting a tone for the rest of the season, check this out. A brave coaching coach coaching bravely. Ooh. Oh, look at this. It is Brian Dabble in his first game as head coach of the New York Giants, his former offensive coordinator for the Bills. He goes for the two-point conversion and the lead against the Tennessee Titans Boom. in Nashville with just over a minute left to play in a week where kickers struggled immensely, including in this very game. Turned out to be the winning points. Of course, they couldn't have known that at the time. They did have all three timeouts, but why leave anything to chance and why go for overtime when you can just win the game right now? So like Brian Dabble did the exact opposite, which is he challenged... Saquon Barkley is running all over the field. We've got all the momentum. We were, we were behind basically the entire second half to this moment. Challenge your team to win the game. And Boom. you know what? They did. Indeed. I like it. Of course, it, it helps that they were playing a Titans team that's completely falling <laughs> apart. But that is a subject for another segment. Yeah. Mike, I've got a question for you. Okay. I got an answer. It is this week's yay or nay. Ooh. I want you to take a look at this right here. The Appalachian State Mountaineers finally break through. A 17-14 win over the Texas A&M Aggies, who were ranked number six in playing at home. How's this for Jimbo Fisher in his first 50 games at A&M? He has roughly the same record as Kevin Sumlin. Actually has a worse record versus the top 25 and more losses when they were the favorite. Now, Mike, they couldn't run Kevin Sumlin out of town fast enough. The Aggies were perfectly fine to be rid of him. Jimbo Fisher, so far, statistically, by any metric, is a worse head coach. So, yay or nay, is Jimbo Fisher in must-win territory at Texas A&M? Yeah, he's he is solid in must win territory. You know, when they hired Jimbo Fisher, they literally gave him an NCAA championship plaque with a blank date so he could fill it in. That was the expectation. He was hired to win national championships. He was not hired to lose to Appalachian State. Yikes. All right. With that news, guys, we're going to be back right after this commercial break to talk about our over and under reactions from week one in the NFL. See you right there. If you're enjoying this afternoon's episode of Sportsball, consider supporting the program by joining our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Mosley. Tune in to It's Too Late with Alan Mosley, Wednesday nights at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on your favorite video platform of choice. Just search Alan Mosley TV. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Before we get to our over-under reactions, I got to tell you, Mike, I watched a lot of football this past weekend, and if, it's it's true that very often, particularly early in the season, offenses tend to struggle. True. It's a new year. The defenses are sort of kind of locked into their zone schemes. The offense, the timing's not there with the receivers, lots of new players, mm -hmm. some issues with handoffs, issues with discipline, uh, live action with the crowds, lots of false starts. But what you hate to see is issues with your special teams, which should yeah. be a well-oiled machine no matter what time of year it is. 
This past week could be described as a kicker apocalypse. <laughs> Indeed. Take a look at this. There's your boy. That makes me glad I'm not a kicker. It It is, too. Like, I usually try not to give kickers that hard of a time. And I'm definitely not one of these people that says, oh, they just kick. They're not football players. I really don't buy into that crap. Um, with that said, these guys get paid millions of dollars to trot out on the field for one one type of play per game. And there's a reason why they tend to get cut when they miss more than just a handful of those things. Indeed. With that, we're moving on to our NFL Week 1 over slash under reactions. Mike, I'm going to give you three apiece from the AFC and the NFC. Right. Are you ready? I am ready. For the folks at home, we're doing over under reactions. Over means it's an overreaction. Come on, folks. It's Week 1. Under means hmm, maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. We're going to start with the AFC. Over or under reaction? The Super Bowl is down to the winner of the Bills and Chiefs. I'm going to go slightly underreaction because I'm oh. always going to give the possibility that teams will improve over the years. Of course, you never know what's going to happen with injuries and whatnot. But mm -hmm. just from the eye test, it seems to me the Bills and Chiefs are far and away uh, superior to anybody else in the NFL, at least as it stands now. So I don't think that's an overreaction. I, so I have to go underreaction. I'm actually, I, I know that it's what's funny about week one overreactions is is that they happen lots of people tend to overreact such as yours truly saying the cowboys season is over except for that's not an overreaction and they actually is over their <laughs> season is done um however i'm actually going to go under on this too i think it's pretty clear uh just, of course we had thursday night football the bills got to kick off the season against the rams uh, boy, if there was ever a team that was trying to show the world that we should have been in last year's Super Bowl, it's the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, it, that wasn't last year's Super Bowl. Last year's Super Bowl was last year. Uh, with that said, man, it's at the end of the day, it's are the Rams taking that big of a step backwards or are the Bills that good? I'm, I'm open to the a possibility that's a little from column A, a little from column B, mm -hmm. but the the Bills actually played a fairly ugly first half and won that game in an absolute laugher. Imagine if they had played four quarters. That could have been a 50-10 to 10 game. It really could have. Followed immediately by the Chiefs playing the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, again, another team that had recent success but finished last season on a skid and has started this season on a skid. But you'd think that a team with their kind of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball, especially with someone like Kyler Murray, that they could at least keep their team in the game, put some points on the board. The score does not tell you how close that game was. It wasn't close. It was yeah. actually 37-7 to in the third quarter. The fact that it was closer than that was basically because the Chiefs put in the junior varsity to, to run out the clock. Um, I don't see anybody in the NFC that can remotely compete with those two teams we saw this week. Not even close. 
All right, with that said, we're moving on to number two. The New England Patriots will never win another division title under head coach Bill Belichick. You know, when I first thought about this, I was like, oh, no, that's an overreaction. But then I thought, you know, is it really? Because I don't know how much longer Belichick is going to coach first off. Mm -hmm. Second off, the Patriots aren't good. They no. don't have a quarterback. And, you know, I think Tom Brady papered over a lot of problems in New England over the years. So I'm going to say that that that's not necessarily an, an overreaction. I'm going to say underreaction. Patriots may not win another division title under Bill Belichick, depending on, of course, how long he coaches. I think I think for the first roughly half or more of the Patriots dynasty from, I mean, basically the early 2000s on, I think you saw a Patriots organization that really hit the jackpot on a lot of players, not just mm -hmm. Tom Brady. They had a lot of iconic guys, especially the linebacking core, especially right. defensive line, especially the secondary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they were always able to make do on the offense. And perhaps Brady's great value, other than being a great quarterback, was that he could lift the offense up while the mm -hmm. rest of the team was focused on defense. Um, they ain't got it now. They ain't got yeah. it now on any side of the ball. They really haven't hit big on a lot of major picks. Um, they've lost guys in free agency. Uh, the Patriots that we're used to are just simply not there. And Mac Jones, look, it's it's still too early to completely throw him under the bus. He had he had a good start to the season last year. Yeah. And and if anything, you'd almost expect a little bit of a slump this year and then going into year three. I mean, some of the other guys in the league that are just lighting up the boards easily went three, four years into the league before they were the guy for their teams. So it's only fair for Mac Jones to get the same thing. Uh, with that said, he care he clearly cannot carry the team the way someone like a Tom Brady could, and they need carrying. So I actually agree with you. By, by the way, I'm proud of these that I picked. I specifically picked ones that I thought would be hard. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think Bill Belichick is clearly not a young man. I don't know if he has it in him to reboot a franchise yet again. Mm -hmm. And they just don't have a lot of places as a foundation from which to build. Right. By the way, not only are the Bills heavy favorites to win it all that happen to be in the AFC East along with the Patriots, uh, the Dolphins are an incredibly young team that just ran them right out of the stadium. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to actually say that's an under as well. I think the Patriots might be cooked, and they're going to be looking at a new era of football in their relatively near future. All right, we're moving on to last year's Bengals were a fluke. The Bungles are back. Oh, I'm going to say that's an overreaction. Okay. My reason being is that I think really the Bengals improved themselves in the offseason. They they kind of muscled up that offensive line a little bit, which was really their biggest problem last year. Every team's going to lay an egg. I think the Bengals laid an egg this uh, this last game. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're done. I will say this. I think maybe the Bengals outperformed themselves last year. Mm -hmm. So maybe there is a little bit of coming back to earth, but I don't think we're back to the Bengals. Okay. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to actually say it's a slight over, not an extreme over, a slight over. That game, that overtime game against Pittsburgh was really a bad game for both teams. I mean, I'd rather have won a bad game than lost a bad game, but it was a terrible game for both teams. The mm -hmm. difference is, is I don't think a lot of people have high hopes for the Mitch Trubisky-led Steelers <laughs> no. one year removed from the Roethlisberger era, whereas right. the Bengals are Super Bowl runner-ups. They should be contenders going into the season. And with the Browns not having their uh, all-star series, 
serial uh-oh in Deshaun Watson for mm-hmm. most of the season. Um, and, of course, you have the Ravens as well, which was really the, the class of that conference for a few years, and Lamar Jackson is still there, and most more likely than not is going to be getting a new contract with Baltimore. I'll, I'll be a little surprised if he doesn't. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's a tough division, especially when all those teams are firing on all cylinders. Sure. I think it's a slight overreaction because I'm sure Burrow is not going to have a bunch more five turnover games this season. They they are getting ready to get a free win against the Dallas Cowboys led by Cooper Rush. <laughs> so that's going to make everyone feel better in Cincinnati. However, I think Cincinnati's chance to contend with the Chiefs and Bills this year is right around zero. All right, we're moving on to the NFC. Over or under, Mike Meharry, the Green Bay Packers will never win another playoff game with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. That's a tough one. And again, my initial reaction was, oh, that's an overreaction. Because if you recall last year, the Packers laid a big egg in their first game of the season. They did. And they rebounded and and were Mm -hmm. among the best teams in, in the NFC. I don't see that this year, though. I that receiving core is is yikes, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think he has the weapons around him. And I don't know how much I don't know. He always looks like he's eating sour grapes. So I mean, maybe that's. But I just don't know how much longer he's going to be willing to put up with this. Yes, so it's the longevity factor that that kind of concerns me. I could see Aaron saying, "You know what? This is dumb. I'm going to go host Jeopardy." Yeah, exactly. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is in a very similar position that you might recall Joe Montana was towards the end of his time with the 49ers. And what I mean by that is, is that the franchise, the franchise would make the conscious decision to move on because they're just doing the math and looking at the calendar and thinking this is the right move for us. And it's hard to say that the 49ers made the wrong decision because they, they had Steve Young and went on to be a, a perfectly uh, competent team. Mm-hmm. However, Joe Montana wasn't done. He went to the Chiefs, had some, had some good games with the Chiefs, took took the Chiefs, who at the time were not a great team, took them to the playoffs. So he wasn't exactly done yet either. Uh, with that said, I don't, I don't see Aaron Rodgers playing another two or three years. And while it is true that Rodgers has had bad games and then rebounded to have great seasons, they rebounded right into the playoffs and immediately dropped an egg there too. Yeah, true. I don't, I think that this is more of a continuation of that playoff team that, that, was one and done, not a continuation of the Rodgers Packers that easily wins the NFC North. Um, I actually am going to say that's an under. I I am. I'm I'm going to say whether whether it's because he retires, is no longer a Packer or anything in the middle. I think Green Bay is done as a postseason successful team in the Rodgers era. Uh, penultimate one, Tom Brady will not finish the season. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, as a Bucks fan, I want to say, of course, Tom Brady's <laughs> going to finish the season for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And his makeup being what it is, I, I there's a big part of me that feels like, yes, he's he's not going to quit. He's not a quitter. He's he's the kind of guy he commits 100 percent. On the other hand, there's cracks in the foundation. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to say a very slight underreaction. Ooh. I think I think if Brady gets hurt, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll come back. 
I don't think he's going to be willing to do rehab. I don't think he's going to be willing to go through the pain and mm-hmm. and what it takes to get back on the field. I think if and, and you know you have to throw in there. I'm sure everybody's aware of the family situation. Um, Giselle yeah. is not pleased with no. the unretirement. Uh, so there's a lot of family issues, as Brady put it. There's a lot of sh- going on in mm-hmm. my life right now. I'm 45 years old. Um, so I mean. I want to say, because the homer in me wants to say, of course, he's going to finish the season, but I I can't rule it out. It's not out of the realm of possibility that that he could not make mm-hmm. it to the end. I will sum up my thoughts. I actually think Tom Brady won't finish the season, and I'll sum up my thoughts as this. Tom Brady is a guy who controls uh, media in his quotes and opinions meticulously. He's mm-hmm. one of those types of guys. He is, for sure. And, but he also, his his own words following their week one win over the Cowboys, said, I'm 45 years old. I got a lot of cuts and bruises this week, and I'm thinking about retirement again. And there's that old saying, when an old player says they're thinking about retirement, they're retired. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Last one. The defending Super Bowl champion Rams will not make the playoffs this year. Mike Mahary, as a, as a quick little stat before you give us your answer, there's been 17 times that the winner of the Super Bowl failed to make the playoffs the following year. This is actually not an anomaly. It's happened many times in sure. NFL history. What do you think? I don't think the Rams were as bad as what we saw on the field this mm-hmm. past week. They still got Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm going to say that this is a little bit of an overreaction, but I think they may not win the division. I could see them maybe sneaking in as a as a wild card team. Okay. Um, but I don't know. And, and maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's re- recency bias. I just don't think the, the Rams were as bad as, as what we saw. Um, I'll say this. I'm going to say that it's a slight overreaction uh, for a similar reason as you gave. Uh, I think the NFC looks like an absolute embarrassment right now. I mean, the the 49ers were uh, a sexy pick to be a good team this year. Uh, look what look what happened to them in the <laughs> rain-soaked soldier field. Yes. Um, uh, big win by Seattle over their the their former quarterback yeah. Russell Wilson. Oh, that's surprising. Broncos. But Seattle with Geno Smith at the helm, which he played great by the way. This is he not did. knocking Geno Smith. He played great. With that said, that was a team that was expected to finish pretty low in the standings, and now they're the only team in that division with a, with a W. Right. The Cardinals got blown out. Uh, yeah, that was a yikes. Yeah, the 49ers were embarrassing. Uh, the Rams got blown out. So uh, some interesting Week One results. Um, so I'm going to say that it's slight overreaction because in a very weak NFC, a Rams team could still either win that terrible division or get a, you know, you could have a eight and nine, nine and eight wildcard team from the NFC that right. has no business being in the postseason, but they get that extra slot. Um, so I'm going to say slight overreact, but not because I think very much of the Rams at all. All right. With that note... Mike Meharry, it's time for us to get on our solemn faces. It's time for In Memoriam, where we remember a player, a team, a coach, whoever, whose sporting life is cut tragically short. Mike, who are you remembering this week? Well, we're remembering Rodrigo Blankenship. Best known for his thick black glasses, now he's known for missing field goals. Oh. Former Georgia kicker missed a potential game winner, just a 42-yarder. 
in Sunday's 2020 tie with the Houston Texans. He pushed it wide right by a significant margin. He also shanked two consecutive kickoffs out of bounds late in the game. Funny thing, next day he was spotted kicking field goals by himself at Grand Park where the Colts hold their training camp. Blankenship was just 83.3% on his field goal attempts in his two-plus seasons in Indianapolis. He also missed three extra points and converted just one four attempts from 50 yards or longer. I don't know that he's going to get picked up again. He has already cleared the waiver wire. I will say that about him. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. So what oh. you're seeing right there in that picture is the end of their season. Hitting a defensive player's hand with your hand. Dak Prescott is out. They're, they're saying that he could be rushed back in four to six weeks. It's more likely mid-November. How about this for a sad stat? The Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the NFL to not score a touchdown in week one. I told if you the, that Bucks defense was going to be better. If they can only manage three points at home, and that's with and that's at full strength with all their starters on the field, what are they going to do with Dak Prescott uh, rehabbing after a hand surgery and Cooper Rush at quarterback? Guys, quick quick plug. The first edition of the Sunken Cost Money Pit is out at our Substack, mm -hmm. which you can see in the show notes below. Uh, go put the house on whoever's playing the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> unless the line is over 9 or 10 points and the team they're playing is bad. When I, when I last checked the lines, because uh, they're playing the Bengals, when I last checked the lines, uh, it was uh, Bengals minus 7. In, in a world where Joe Burrow doesn't have five more turnovers, the Bengals are going to roll the Cowboys. I mean, I'm thinking 14, 20-point win. That's free money. It's free money. The Cowboys are... And if you're asking yourself, wait a minute, who's Cooper Rush? Well, that's all you need to know about whether or not you should bet my picks <laughs> in this week's sunken cost money. There bet. you go. It's time for it's time for our picks here on the show, Mahari. We're going to start in college football with game number one, the number twelve BYU Cougars, who are a three and a half point underdog at the number twenty five Oregon Ducks. Who do you have? I'm going to go with the Cougars. I, I've watched BYU. I think they're I think they're a pretty solid team. Mm -hmm. I've seen the Ducks. Yeah. Now the question is, was that a function of how good Georgia is? That that's. Mm -hmm. Left to be uh, left to be determined, but I don't know. My gut, I'm, it's more of a gut pick. I'm gonna mm -hmm. go with the Cougars. I'm actually gonna go with BYU as well. I think that they're probably in for a letdown game sooner than not. Um, they've had uh, they've had a relatively uh, high strength of schedule to start the season, but they're still undefeated. Letdown game aside, the fact that they're underdogs in this game, despite being ranked 13th uh, or tw or excuse me 12th, I'll take the points. Sure, yeah. BYU. Yeah. Our, our second game in college football, number 13, Miami Hurricanes, number 13, mind you, who are five and a half point underdogs to the number 24, Texas A&M Aggies, uh, the fighting Jimbos, Mike Meharry, who do you have? You know, if I was going to bet this game even, I would mm -hmm. take I would take the Aggies because I think they're going to be very angry. Mm -hmm. I don't think Miami is a uh, number 13 team, although they are uh, on the upswing. But uh, 5.5 seems like a, like a pretty big number um, given this matchup. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Canes with the points, although we could see an A and M win. 
This is a tough game to pick because for exactly that reason. You're, we're about to find out the, the true metal of the Aggies under Jimbo Fisher. They're mm-hmm. hearing all this noise. They're hearing that their head coach is in trouble. They're hearing that they were way overrated, that they're nowhere. After all, after all that preseason drama between Jimbo and Nick Saban and the rest, they're hearing that the Aggies just don't belong on the same line as those uh, conference rivals that they have. So one of two things will happen. Either the bottom falls out and Jimbo's on his way out the door, or they circle the wagons this week. So it's a tough game. Um, I'm actually going to go Texas A&M because I think it's more likely they circle the wagons than it is that the Miami Hurricanes, who I I think are going to be without their number one wide receiver for the game, Mm. that that they are a legitimate number 13 team. I I agree with you on that one. All right, moving on to the NFL. Tonight's game. Ooh, cool. Look at tonight's game. Ooh. Thursday night football. The Los Angeles Chargers, who are four-point underdogs, traveling to play at the Kansas City Chiefs. I love Justin Herbert. I wish Justin Herbert were a Dallas Cowboys so bad, it literally <laughs> makes me tear up thinking about it. Mike Meharry, what do you think? I'm going with the chefs. Oh, the chefs. Yeah, that's uh, playing at home. Four points. Uh, I don't know. You know, we talked about Kansas City being far and away the the creme de la creme mm-hmm. in the AFC, along with the Bills. Um, yeah, I think they're. I think they're going to put the Chargers away. Yeah, I agree with you. This actually was one of the subjects of my sunken cost money pit this week. As much as I like the Chargers, as much as I root for them as sort of a scrappy underdog team in another one, very stacked AFC West, by the way, uh, and, and as great as I think Justin Herbert is, and as well as he played in their week one win over the Las Vegas Raiders, I think the Raiders are about a, a one to one and a half rungs of the ladder below these other teams, and mm-hmm. it was still a one possession game in a game where Herbert played near perfectly, and they still just got out of there with a with a one touchdown win yeah um i don't know how much more perfecter he can possibly play to overcome the chiefs at arrowhead so with that alone i'm gonna say kansas city and finally the chicago bears how about that the chicago bears currently at one and oh with their win over san francisco is a plus 10 underdog to the Green Bay Packers that were just embarrassed by the Minnesota Vikings. Again, Meharry, you hear me say it all the time. Look for the ones where you think Vegas just got it wrong. Now, look, the Bears look terrible. It's just the 49ers looked even more terrible. Right. Plus 10 underdogs against Green Bay. Like, look, I know the Bears have struggled with, with Green Bay during the, the, during the Rodgers era, but 10-point underdogs to a team that just got blown out? Yeah, that's a big number. Yes. I, th- I think I would take the Bears. Um, <laughs> I mean, part of me wonders if the Green Bay Packers are going to score 10 points uh, based on the offensive performance Reasonable. that I saw. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's really hard to to judge that Chicago-San Francisco game because it was played in a monsoon. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's that. I, I'm, I'm certainly not a big believer in the Bears. But like I said, 10 points, that's a big number. Um especially playing a team that didn't show us a lot in week one. So I think I would take the Bears from the points. So I agree with you. I think that it's very likely that this game, the weather is supposed to be fantastic at Lambeau uh, for this weekend. So it won't be a weather issue, maybe not till later in the season. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a very good chance that this is a very ugly, relatively low scoring game. And if it's a fairly ugly, relatively low-scoring game, even in a game where Green Bay takes control in the second half, 10 points? Mm. Yeah. 
I think I think there's been a lot of years where if you told the Chicago Bears they get ten points, they, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> just right. with their defense, with the way yeah. they play ball. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Bears plus the ten. I know there wasn't a lot of difference between us and the picks this week, but good God, it ten points is a lot of points in the NFL for any between any two teams because they're both professional football teams. Right. Uh, Green Bay just got absolutely smoked by Kirk Cousins. Yes. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we do not discuss these picks no, on the show. So. No, we don't. Uh, speaking of that, Mike, do you have a final thought? I do have a final thought. You know what starts next week? What's that? NHL training camps. How long How long's training camp till the start of the season? Uh, season usually starts first week of October. I know they go right into preseason games uh, with just two weeks from now. So, wow. Well, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna have some real pucks here in mm-hmm. just a matter of weeks. Then, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Sports Ball. Uh, make sure to get the Sunken Cost Money Pit, which is down there in the show notes below at our Substack, and we're also on all platforms, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Odyssey, YouTube, whatever. Just search Alan Mosley TV. And finally, as soon as we're done here, me and Meharry are going to shoot the bull while I put the podcast version of the show up on Anchor. So that's going to be Apple, Spotify, whatever, thanks to anchor.fm slash bread and circuses. And we will see you next week. You have been listening to Sportsball with Mike Meharry and Alan Mosley. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Odyssey, all at Alan Mosley TV. You can also subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search for Sportsball with Mike and Alan. And you can find the weekly Sunken Cost Money Pit at Substack. Thanks for listening. We'll have more Bread and Circuses next week.